Tune you in now to the LBX Daily Show. Brought to you by the LBX Collective. Your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now, let's get ready to roll. With your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. <laughs> All right. Uh, hello. Yep. Second day of November. <laughs> second second day of November, and you know we we, we kind of mentioned this last time, but uh, but now like it's 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 we're full on into the holiday season. Like Halloween is over. Uh, we've got Iapa coming up, and then we've got Thanksgiving. It's all pumpkin spice and pumpkin season and all that good stuff. But um, then we go ro- roll right into the holiday season, and I feel like if 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 we have, if, if no one's prepared or planned for new decor or new F and B options or even special events like breakfast with Santa or meet Santa events or whatever, like now's the time to start planning those. But more importantly, now's the time to start promoting those pre-sale tickets to Santa events and promote your new F and B, you know, your, your limited time only F and B stuff, like trying to do whatever you can to drive that repeat visitation. Like now's the time to get going on that. So yeah, hopefully, yeah, yeah hopefully our, our you know, everybody's well, I mean, working on that stuff. It's Christmas party season. Like I think my first Christmas party is actually next week. So, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that they're already booked, ready to roll, which is nuts to me. I just can't even believe it. Right. Every year. Yeah. And I think it's different for us just because we go to, we go to expo. Like for me, nothing holiday related happens until after expo. I just, Mm -hmm. I just have to get through that and then I can focus on Christmas and you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well I, well, I remember when my facility was operational, it was always like, oh my gosh, I have to leave. And I'm leaving my staff with all these massive Christmas parties. And I felt so guilty, right? That they had to do it all themselves. But oh, well, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> those days are over. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, making big, big headlines today um, was that Cedar Fair and Six Flags merger, which is really, really interesting, actually. And um, I think it means a lot of very interesting things for our industry. Um, and we just thought that it was such a great topic that we decided to focus a whole show on it. So tomorrow, uh, Brandon and I are going to be joined by Kevin Williams, who's going to come on and we're all going to kind of talk a little bit more about what this merger looks like, what it means and potential ramifications, the good, the bad, the ugly, and all that fun stuff. So please make sure you hit us up tomorrow. Um, It's going to be called a Hot Topics episode, and it'll probably run a little bit longer than the typical daily show, I think, at this point. We're just trying something new out. Um, So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. The merger of equals, they call it. Merger of equals, or almost equals. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's weird how the stock... Yeah, anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, (laughs) Speaking of other mergers, this one really kind of slid under the radar today, I thought, but Top Golf Callaway actually acquired four locations of Big Shot Golf um, and some of the development's rights for future venues. Now, just in case nobody's aware, I wasn't, um, but Big Top Golf is um, owned by, um, oh my gosh, uh, why am I? Thank you. Yes. Um, they're owned and operated by Invite, who also also owns 165 traditional courses of golf and golfing uh, paraphernalia and stuff. Um, but they entered into this vendor agreement in which uh, Callaway brands will also be displayed in 150 of their country clubs. So the merchandise and some of their products will be displayed, which is a really good deal for Callaway. Um, and Top Golf uh, uh, paid for this purchase. They paid around $29 million for it. Um, 
And it also gives them the right to convert some of the top golf locations to use the top tracer software, which is pretty great for big shots. Like that's only going to enhance the product that they offer. So um, good on them. Um, and uh, it's great to see that consolidation happening. Yeah, that's interesting. And I was thinking about, I was running the math and that's a little under 8 million per, I think it ends up being about 7.5 million per uh, per location roughly. And that seems a little low for big shot for like, a, you know, because big shots golf is like basically like a ripoff of top golf. I mean, ultimately, mm-hmm. and uh, I know top golf, I know top golf developments are cost closer to like 20 to 30 million per location no. that they develop. And so, so this seems interesting to me that they're, they're buying all four. So it makes, it makes me wonder if they were distressed or, you know, but it sounds like a good, you know, good opportunity across the board though, you know, especially for Callaway to get, get distribution, prime distribution across all the invite, uh, you know, golf courses and venues. Well, you know, something else that was really interesting actually about this is that of those four locations, one was a corporate location and the other three were owned by franchises. So what does that mean? Are the franchisees out now? Or is there some sort of partnership deal that's going to happen with them? Did they just buy partial ownership into the locations as well? So that could have been the case. Yeah, you know what? You know what? That that's a good point. Which means then that they probably yeah they they bought the one HQ location wholesale and then they bought the franchise uh, franchise mm-hmm. rights and then the franchise royalties. So yeah, the yeah, other right. the other are you know definitely right. franchise. It's an interesting. It's, it's an expensive and interesting model. Like what if I'm going to go build a big shots golf? Um, you know, ground up, like what benefits am I getting by buying a big shots franchise? Like there's a lot of reasons to go and do a franchise to me. That doesn't look like, like I'm just, I'm just, I'm that, that's a really interesting, that's a very expensive franchise to go and, and build and, and then and go and pay royalties on top of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I agree. Yeah, that's something to dive into a little bit more. I'm curious about that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, y- you know, what's interesting, the pandemic really uh, fueled, uh, refueled interest in golf, actually. The National Golf Foundation says that 1.3 million golfers have joined the sport in the last three years. So it's no wonder we're seeing all these mini golf places and all these other golfing locations starting to pop up like wildfire because everyone just seems to be really interested in them. And I, I'm, I don't know if that's just because people could go to them because they were outside or... The game of golf is just actually really fun to play. Um, but going to big golf, big top or big, you know, top golf and are these locations or the mini golfs, they don't take as long as a traditional golfing uh, mm-hmm. experience does, right? It's not hours and hours. So you can kind of whip in, whip out, have some fun and not be there for the whole day. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So. Um, uh, also along the golfing lines, um, you know, as I was <laughs> looking into this, I learned a little bit, um, more interesting things about golf. Um, there was a report from Straits research that said that golf simulators, um, the market size was valued at $1.8 billion in the U S in 2022. And they are projecting that to reach us two point or $3.2 billion by 2031. So that's about a 9.2% increase. Um, according to them, I'm wondering if that figures right. Actually, no, it's a, it's a, it's a 3.2 billion, I think was the numbers we were talking about 3.2 billion. So it's almost a 90% increase. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. So I don't know where that statistic came from with the 9.2. So we will just forget that. <laughs> but, I, think, um, they, 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 I think that report just had decimal points in all the wrong places and stuff. It's pretty, pretty weird, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But that, that's a pretty large increase, right? Um, and recently we actually on the show, we discussed the opening of T-Squared Social in New York City. I think uh, maybe our viewers will remember that's owned by Timberlake and Woods. Um, but the, what's interesting about it is when we were reporting on it, we were kind of like, well, is this actually going to make sense? Like it's social golfing, like who's actually going to go to it. it we we're kind of scratching our heads on it. But what I've discovered is that 
these guys are doing something entirely different. Um, and they're turning their facilities more into uh, country clubs and membership places for people to kind of go and have a golfing experience that is uh, higher quality, higher level and social with their friends. So there's a couple other places. One's called in-town golf. Another one's called golf zone. And they've designed their facilities around the simulators, providing excellent food and beverage and social experiences for their guests. But this is the big difference. These guys are capitalizing on memberships. So they offer memberships like a typical country club, anywhere from $500 a month for the regular membership. Um, and this allows people for uh, access to preferred booking times, discounts, or just even get accesses to the other facilities that these places might have. Like some have swimming pools, showers, um, entertainment spaces, et cetera. Um, some of these guys even have initiation fees um, as high as $4,000 just to get into these clubs. Um, I, I was reading a letter from one of the founders of in town, and this is what he stated in there that number one, there's value in belonging to a club because it's convenient. It offers a, a level of quality, familiarity, um, and, uh, surroundings. Traditional clubs require a lot of your time when you're considering driving time on the course, changing, et cetera, et cetera. Like we all know how long is a game of golf? It's just really, really long, right? Something I could never indulge in. I just don't have the time for it. Um, it's really hard to sneak a quick round in. Um, it's dependent on the weather. So, uh, you know, if it's raining, if it's snowing, you know, Calgary, I think we have eight months of the year where we're not golfing, you know, um, and daylight hours where you can only go for a certain period of time. Right. Um, so these places have really created the coolest and the best settings that are convenient and accessible all the time for people that are really passionate about golf. And, you know, when we position it that way and look at what they're doing, I think that there's some massive opportunity in this area. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It really, it really changes the entire golf simulator, uh, you know, model. And, and I think like we were talking about before the, before the show, this is, I call this like the killer app for golf simulators yeah. uh, because, you know, the membership, the, the exclusive like high end membership model, that's like, you know, this is why I joined a golf club. Cause it's, it's exclusive. It's got a good network. It's mm -hmm. social. I can just go hang out and do something, you know, that, that I want to do on my own or whatever. Like the, it, it provides that level. Whereas like, you know, your standard golf simulator place that has like mediocre food, like it's just kind of stuff's in a corner and like, and it's just like, looks kind of shitty. Like, you know, you don't want to go there. And like, that's, that's, that, that was like the golf simulator model. This is really turning that model on its head and making something really interesting and exclusive. And I think mm -hmm. what, I don't know if they're doing or not, but I think like the next step to that would be you have your, you, you're, you're open for public use, your open play, quote unquote, a couple of bays that people can just come in and rent. And like that gets people bought into the idea and still really nice. You know, they can grab a nice drink or whatever, but then you have your doors, like big glass doors or big, like big swinging doors that go in and that's mm -hmm. the club. Right. And this is where, you know, the nice rotunda bar and like, you've got some bays on the sides and like, and now I kind of look and I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to be in there, you know? Uh, and like, it leaves you hanging. And like, that's, so that's how you kind of get people into the membership. But I, what I don't like is like the $500 membership where I just get extra things. Like I get my exclusive, you know, I, I get uh, priority booking and that kind of stuff. Cause that means I'm in with everybody else. Like I'm in with the riffraff quote unquote, but I just happen mm -hmm. to get like a premium bay or I happen to get premium booking times, That's you know, right. or first, first choice. But like, I don't want, if I'm going to pay and I'm going to be a member, I want like to be off the riffraff. That'd be like if I had an airline club and I got the club, but I still had to like sit out with everybody, but I just got better drinks. Like, mm -hmm. no, I want to be in a quiet room. That's away mm -hmm. from all the screaming babies 
and all the chaos that's in the main area and be in my airline club. Like that's why I pay for that exclusive access. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually, you know, going back to one of your earlier points about how you attract these customers with, you know, the, the uh, two bays on the outside, and then you have to go in through the membership. But what would be another great idea is just create a little golf store on the outside there where you're selling Mm -hmm. all the golfing equipment, draw people in that way, get them to try out these simulators there. You know what I mean? And then they can uh, see all the other people going into the golf club and getting access that way. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. There, we just developed a new business. All right. We did. I mean, awesome. high five. Right on. Yeah, high five. Models. <laughs> uh, it's all an execution. There's, I, it. <laughs> yeah. Ideas are a dime a dozen. It's all about the execution and the implementation and everything else. So, uh, but anyway, if somebody does want to implement it, you know, you know give us a little bit of credit on the side. Uh, all right. So <laughs> speaking of airline always- clubs, what's that? I said royalties are always accepted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, so speaking of airlines, airline clubs, kind of unique things going on on that front, uh, Alaskan Airlines just launched their Mickey's Toontown Express. And so uh, pull us up here. This uh, It's pretty cool. They took uh, one of their, their Boeing 747s and they rebranded it. Oh. They painted it. It actually took them over 400 hours, their artists, over 400 hours and 20 days to paint this plane. And, uh, and so now um, they've just flew from Seattle to Anaheim. And if you're booking a ticket to, you know, if you're getting your ticket to Disney and this plane happens to be flying out of your city, it doesn't always fly from Seattle. They're going to be moving it around the country to different places. And so you will have, a, you, know, you could potentially have an opportunity to fly on the Mickey's Toontown Express. Uh, this is a collaboration Alaskan Airlines has done before with Disney. And so it's a you know, pretty cool collaboration. Inside, you know, you actually get a chance to... Um, uh, you get like a little Mickey hat or a little mini hat and you get like a, a snack pack that's uh, an activity books and like a little gift gift basket that's, you know, themed around Disney. There's not a whole lot they can do with retheming a plane, um, <coughs> excuse me, on the inside um, because of certain regulations. But this does allow them to you know, give a little bit more of a, a fun feel on your flight to, uh, you know, on your flight. And you are able to like go out and take little selfies and stuff like that as well in front of the in front of the plane. So just adding to that Disneyland trip and memory. Yeah, that's super cool. And my gosh, I'd love to know the dynamics around painting a plane that suddenly has got me very interested because you think it's just something that so easily could happen, but that many hours, like, can you wrap it? Couldn't there be a simpler way to get some graphics on there? Yeah. So they, so it's actually, it's it's cool. So if you go on Disney's website and, and, or if you just search for Alaskan airline, Mickey Toontown Express, Disney's website actually has a one minute video that shows the process of painting the plane. You know, it's obviously it's sped up and, you know, whatever, but it shows the process. And it is a really interesting mixture of like multiple layers of paint and and the different maskings that they do, but then they also have vinyl components to it as well. And so like, it's a whole mixed uh, medium concept. And and you think that that plane is flying through some pretty nasty stuff and you want that job to last as long as possible, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. Which is why it can't just be pure vinyl that sticks on because, you know, vinyl wraps because it can't withstand the the high pressures, the weather, the temperature changes and all the fluctuations. So Mm -hmm. um, pretty cool, Cool. pretty cool stuff. Um, All right. So one of the things we didn't get a chance to talk about yesterday, and so I wanted to make sure we we got a chance to talk about it today, is uh, this this, uh, Vortex VR Arcade. They opened up in Niagara Falls and, um, you know... (laughs) I thought it's it's fifteen thousand square feet, and they are uh, they're you know they're they're a VR um, you know they're just a VR place, and so I was like, okay, let me go check them out. You know, VR arcade. We're like, what are they doing? It's unique and interesting, and it turns out like you go in, and their two main attractions are Omni Arena and this uh, TriTech Dark Ride, and I like I thought like, okay, really, 
like 15,000 square feet for, you know, a couple of things like this is, this is your VR arcade. And, you know, then I, so I did a little bit more and, and it turns out that they actually do have a little bit more. They've worked with this company called Owatch, which is based out of China. And they have, uh, you know, four different attractions here that uh, I've, I'm able to try out. And um, some of these, like the VR chair is, uh, it moves a little bit. There's some degree of motion. Um, and then this uh, VR chair here, uh, actually spins me around and, and like it's, it's like kind of like a roller coaster experience. The graphics on these things, I don't know if you've ever done them, uh, Christine. I certainly have actually been on a number of these because there was a pop up experience here in the Arizona Boardwalk, mm-hmm. and the graphics are like mediocre. The experience is mediocre, mm-hmm. um, but uh, this is yeah, uh, this yeah. is what they have here at the VR Arcade. And and I guess they've been sort of like in a multi year soft opening. They opened soft opening July 4th of last year and they've like continued to sort of like have this soft opening. So I don't really understand the model behind that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think we were talking about this while well, we were talking about this the other day and it just seems so weird. Like it's on what's the fourth floor of this it's on the building? third floor of third? this building. Like, <laughs> like what? Like, yeah, so, like, so like there's some retail down below and like this used to, this is a converted office building, but like the third floor of this random building and you can see the Niagara Falls. So like those of you listening, there's like behind this building, you can see like the Niagara Falls, like the mist in the distance. And I just feel like yeah. the, you, you said this really well yesterday when we were talking before the show, like you just visited the grandeur of the Niagara Falls and mm-hmm. like just this amazing, immersive, like just like, yeah just almost like awe-inspiring thing. And then you're going to go and like play some shitty VR. Yeah. Like no, that, I, that just I, seems I, weird to me. And the website's not compelling enough. Like I, first of all, I hate it when people put their attractions in circles and cut off stuff around the edges. I'm like, I'm, I'm just learning about VR stuff now. Like just say it says a newbie who you want to attract to your facility. And I have no idea what that picture is. You know, show me some graphics, show me how I get to have an experience and enjoy the experience while I'm doing it, what I'm going to get out of it. That's important. And then, um, you know, I, I think the other thing that we talked a little bit about is a third level location. I don't know. And I know I've heard the statistics somewhere. I don't know where from, but they never do well. Like even unless you're on ground floor and people can walk right into your facility, they just don't do well. So I'll be curious to see how they do. Like, I think some of those things like, uh, could be applications for in a retail mall where you have it right as a kiosk in the middle of the yes. mall. People are walking by, you've got traffic and people are like, yeah, right on, let's give it a try. You know, at least that works for a limited period of time, but to not be in front of people at all like that, I, uh, no, no, I have to search for it. I have to find it like a serendipity. Like, I mean, there's, there's no, yeah. Yeah, there's no opportunity for just that random foot traffic or foot flow for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's uh, that, when, when those are the types of attractions you have and like, that's it, that's the, that's the type of venue where it's going to work well. Is it in a shopping mall? Yeah. Um, or, or even as an add on to an existing FEC or LBE venue or something like that, but mm-hmm. a standalone third floor location, like I have to go up and do a weird, creepy elevator to go to your thing. Like, no, yeah. no, it doesn't exactly work. I call money laundering. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why it's always been a soft opening. I don't know. Like you know, they've never really yeah. gotten to that uh, yeah. hard side. Um, well, look, I mean, I think one of the things we just wanted to um, talk about was, um, you know, around hot topics was mm. this idea of 
um, you know, of, of the, you know, I guess the shooters. So yeah, um, yeah gosh, I, I think we've kind of made, we made a decision that it wasn't something we really wanted to, you know, we didn't know how to broach it. Right. Because it, mm-hmm. it's sensitive and it's scary. Right. But there's been so many incidents lately. I mean, uh, the spare time bowling in Lewiston and then this new one at Glenwood Caverns and amusement park, which we're not really yeah. sure what happened there yet. I mean, we know the man killed himself, but was he planning on, doing harm to others or was there something else weird going on? And, you know, I don't, I don't think we have enough details to know that yet, but still these are scary incidents that occurred. And we just thought this would be a really timely um, time uh, to bring in somebody to talk about this. So next week on Wednesday, we have Drew Tewksbury from McGowan Allied Insurance coming in and he's going to be spending um, a half an hour with us on another hot topics that we're trying out here um, to talk about how to prepare yourself when something like this does happen. So how to be prepared when an active, shoot, active shooter event happens in your facilities um, and uh, you know what to do, how to handle it. It's going to be live. So if you are able to join us, um, we'll send out some marketing material so you guys know when it's going to be released out. But if you can come live, uh, and write your questions in the chat. Uh, Drew will be able to answer them and we'll be able to, you know, help you out and um, get you the information that you need so that you guys can feel safer out there um, and maybe have some solutions and uh, things set in place to make your facilities safer. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to that session with uh, with Drew. And I'm just, I'm excited about trying a new format here for, you know, yeah. every once in a while, we, we come across some really, t- you know, some some hot topics that really need a little bit more than just a couple of minutes that we give most of our topics here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Drew's, a, you know, has a, um, is an expert in these kind of things um, and excited to have him on board. Um, well, I guess the last thing I'll mention before we, before we wrap up here is, we just had our second, third degree mm-hmm. go live, and we got to we got to a chance to interview Barry Zellickson. He's a good friend of Christine and I's, and he's he's a um, he's he's just an amazing human being. So really you know, yeah, yeah, uh, so very yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So very excited to have done the third degree with him. There's a lot that we could you know that you can pick up and learn from mm-hmm. everything that he's done, and he's it's just a very fun episode and he's led such an interesting uh, career up to this point and is doing some really interesting things going forward. So uh, cool to watch that. Uh, all right. LBXers. That's a Cheers. wrap for today's daily show. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Uh, CB and BW signing off. Stay tuned. Keep kicking ass. Bye all. 